you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays, and it's Text Driven Tuesday time, back in Hebrews chapter 11. So go ahead and grab your Bible and get ready. Today, we are talking about Abraham and Isaac. 17, wait. What were the verses? <clears throat> 17 through 22. 17 through 22. Mm-hmm. I was driving in today listening because mm-hmm. I wasn't here this weekend. Mm-hmm. But, George, you have a bad case of the Mondays. People don't understand it's Monday. Yeah. And you are not having a great Monday morning. It's a Monday. I so think I, I put, have I think, a, I think I put too much cream in my coffee this morning. It's, uh, it's, not, it's yeah. not as great as it needs to be. So I have a surprise for you. I've been holding for free for all Friday. Oh yeah, but I'm gonna give it to you now because <laughs> you need you need some help this morning. I present to you, George, something you've never had before in your life, and you will remember this day for all time. And you will pass this down to your children and the, your children's children. What? <laughs> what? As the day that your life changed, yeah. when you tried Nutella for the first time. What was it? <laughs> Go ahead, George. Yeah. Well, Get you some of that, buddy. I can't believe you've never had Nutella before. I haven't. You've been holding Just on to Just pop that this? sucker open and what? squeeze it in your mouth. What? I don't know how it works. I'm not, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to I don't think I'm going to squeeze it in my mouth on on camera. You should do it. <laughs> look away. George, like look at that, buddy. Gooey. Like, I'm not going to squeeze this in my mouth. I got to have, like... You need something. Use that pen and scoop it out. <laughs> scoop it out with that pen. Look at this. It's like, okay. It's okay, like all... all right, Larry. Put, look away. Look away. Look at me. Okay, you got to use your finger now. Just get in there on that. <laughs> and then just go for it. And then we'll go back to you after you're enjoying it. All right. Don't get it in your beard, though. Yeah, I know. That's, that's what I'm afraid of. Yep, yep. All right. What do you think, George? That's pretty good. <laughs> it needs I need something to You need some bread? To eat it to eat it with well, or a like, bagel? A ut- like a utensil or something. Yeah. I should have brought these, you a, I should have brought you a fork. I need one of these uh one of these napkins yeah. though. That's pretty good though, right? Yeah. That's good. Yep, there you go. Julia, now you can get him a jar. <laughs> Jar of Nutella. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I need, need a spoon or something. You can pretty much put that on anything, George. Yeah. You know, peanut butter, jelly, and Nutella. Mm. The trifecta. Yeah. Bagels. Ramen. Hazelnut spread. <laughs> ramen. <laughs> You put it, it goes on anything, you know. Some people put ketchup on their eggs, some people Nutella. <laughs> I don't put ketchup on my eggs. Do you put ketchup on your eggs? I like salsa, really. I, I like salsa on my eggs, yeah. I just like, I just like straight, just regular eggs, just eggs, put a little salt on them. Yeah, you like that white people eggs. I prefer my eggs to have a, a little Latin flavor on it, you know. It's a little cult- salsa. That's cultural appropriation, Jay. I guess. You should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we were gone this weekend. Speaking of uh, flavor. Up at Garden City, Kansas. Garden City, Kansas is a big 
meat processing place. Okay. Like massive. Really? Massive operation. <clears throat> so we're going, you know, I, I love Mexican food. Better so, watch out. That whole place is going to burn down. So I was. It's just going to mysteriously, oh. there's going to mysteriously be a a, a hazardous uh, hazardous spill or something. I, <laughs> something. I don't know. They'll rebuild. They'll rebuild it if it does. But I knew. I'm like, all right, this is going to be great because I know there is going to be places here where I can get Mexican food made by non-Americans. Mm. That's the good stuff. Yeah. And we succeeded. It was good. Yeah. Yep. That's why I always said, you can call me a racist. I don't really care. I told you before, George, you can test it out. I want, if it's national food, mm-hmm. like I go I go over here in Lawton, you can eat all kinds of food here, right? Mm-hmm. I go to a Korean restaurant here, and I look back there, some white guy back there making it. I'm out. <laughs> I don't want that. I want some old Korean lady making the Korean food. And I want what, what if it's some what if it's some white guy that grew up in Korea? Nah, I mean it, it could be like it's like secondhand. That's like secondhand knowledge. I need the real thing. It's like you know if you go to Moody's German restaurant, right? How did you say that? Moody's, Muddy's, Moody's. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm saying? Yep. You go in there. And it was a Korean person making your schnitzel. <coughs> we just lost all of our German listeners. And, and it was, and, and you're like, no, I want to look back there, and I want to see like a mm. plump German lady back there mm-hmm. making the schnitzel. Yeah, and the bratwurst and all that. If it, if it's not that, you can't call it authentic German food. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had the best Mexican ever. It was great. Yeah, it was great. I'm just enjoying God's diversity. You, some people will say it's uh, racist. I, I say I'm enjoying God's diversity. I will never understand how why why it would ever be racist to compliment a certain ethnicity for their food. I don't understand. I don't understand how complimenting, like pointing out the particular, the particularities of a certain ethnicity, is is racism. I don't know. I, I don't really care either, though. But who made the Nutella? What culture is this? I have no idea. Huh? I, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. Maybe it's from the new creation. It just like teleported back did you, here. Did you get one of these for yourself? I've got one in the office back there for a rainy day in the drawer. <laughs> you know, you got to have things like that when you're when you're a pastor. Some people they have a may they may be at work and they may have Jay, a, they I, may have a bottle of booze for a rainy day. Jay. I got I got packets of Nutella. <laughs> You've got that big that big picture window <laughs> for your office now. If I ever walk by and see you just <laughs> eat Nutella, just, you'll know it's a bad day. Just, no, just nose deep in a Nutella packet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Good things. There's still some snack good packs stuff. in my refrigerator for you. They're sitting Those there. Those are very good too. They're just sitting there. And they're refrigerated. Money. See that the people, the people have they they mess up. It's good by itself, but if it's refrigerated, way better. Mm. Mm-hmm. They're in there. It's like a chilled wine or something. Don't worry. <laughs> a chilled snack pack. <laughs> Pop the top. Yeah, that's a good vintage. <laughs> All right, we got George back. He's here. We've brought him back from the pits of despair. 
I don't know if I was in despair. I with just was Nut- tired. With Nutella <laughs> and funny jokes. I'm, you know, I'm at the age, you, you probably feel the same way. You wake up and your back hurts. Oh, yeah. I didn't do it. I didn't do anything. Mm. I just slept. Yeah. I wake up and you should just, make a just, journal. Just up my spinal cord and just make a journal of the ways you've thrown your back out. Yeah. Saw a guy. He he did on TikTok. He said ways I've thrown my back out. One was like <laughs> turning my head to look at my child. <laughs> <laughs> just keep a journal of that, George. It'd be funny. Woke up, threw my back out sleeping. Yeah. 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 Uh, we're trying to uh, we're. The frustrating, <laughs> the frustrating process of trying to uh, toilet train Josiah. This is the most stubborn kid, <laughs> and so I'm. I'm. We. I. He goes in there, and I. I uh, stay in the hall, and I. A couple of days ago, I decided to lay down on my back in the hall, and just because we're just sitting there waiting, and I didn't think I was going to be able to get back up. Oh man! Like, well, I guess this is where I'm. I guess this is where I'm sleeping tonight. Is on the floor in the hall. You know, you got to start somewhere with exercise. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe yours that's is what... <laughs> practicing getting on the ground and getting back up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Too much fun. All right. Well, let's jump in here, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. And you're looking at Abraham and his testing. So. It's a uh, it's a good passage, and you have your your whole idea is you're trying to encourage people to have hope in the future, mm-hmm. to not to not fear the future. You had a list of really crazy things people are afraid of. Yeah. Um. What was the craziest one you found? You think? There was one that I found that I didn't I didn't use, but I did put a little note for a podcast. Oh. <laughs> This is the bonus material. And I had to, I mean, some of these are so bizarre that I had to, I had to do some research to make sure this isn't to just make sure something they're real. made up. This is something that it's actually something that people have, have uh, <clears throat> dealt with, I guess. Uh, tripophobia. 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 What is that? It is the fear of clustered patterns of irregular holes. What? Like Swiss cheese? <laughs> yeah, that was one of the examples. Uh, honeycombs, natural sponges, coral, Swiss cheese. Yeah. Bizarre. Um, it, uh, it did say that even though it, uh, it has the name phobia, it's not, uh, it's not something that people are like terrified of it's not something that like causes them to break out in cold sweats it's something that some people experience um like discomfort huh <laughs> over over this i don't know i don't know tripophobia fear of clustered patterns of irregular holes interesting i got uh, i got one you didn't mention i've met someone who had a strange one yeah no i know him my nephew trip uh-huh. gavick when he was a little boy he had fear of buttons. Fear of buttons. For real. Really? Like for real. And it's a real thing. One in 75,000 people have it. It's called kumophobia. Kum, wow. Kumpanophobia. Wow. Kumpanophobia. Buttonphobia. Buttonphobia. But he, <laughs> but he outgrew it. But yeah, it was a real thing. Wow. Yep. 
Yeah, uh, I mentioned uh, electorophobia. It's a fear of chickens. That one's and I and I actually I actually know I actually know someone that is afraid of chickens. Mm. Sometimes those roosters, you know, they'll get after you, scar you for life. Apparently, I I guess. But (laughs) you know, I mentioned uh, hippopotamonstrosa quipadaliophobia. That one's funny. Fear, yeah. fear of long words. That one's good. Which the the official the official term is sesquipedaliophobia. Mm. Um, the other stuff was added on to like make it even more ridiculous, but it's it's real. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> like it's uh, it's it's recognized as a legitimate yeah fear. I don't know what all that means. I don't. I don't think that people are like they see like a long word and I don't know what that means. Bolt yeah. out the door or something. Sometimes but, I just think people. Uh, I, think I don't some, know. Sometimes I think they just make stuff up. You ever think that <clears throat> they're just inventing? Well, they, I think I think. Well, I mean, like he invented we can, that I mean, for a PhD not, project. We're not. <laughs> we're not. We're not. Uh, we're not psychologists or anything. But I, I think that a lot of this stuff is just a symptom of something that's something else that's going on, mm. like. I don't think that someone has a fear of long words without there being something else that's going on, maybe physically or, or mentally, that's causing them to, like, their brain to process things, uh, like the uh, like the trypophobia, like the the unease, the uneasiness of seeing a series of irregular holes, like looking at like a sponge and feeling unease. Like, there's, I, I mean, there's there's something going on, probably. Yeah. Uh, someone has a real need to control have to be controlling or have things, maybe things yeah, in order i mean i don't know to have absolute order in their life uh like uh, i mentioned fa- phasmophobia mm. fear of ghosts right like there's there's something else going on <laughs> yeah but there's a lot of i mean there's a lot i mean uh, i i came across a list of like 500 different fears i mean people are from from the more the more regular ones i mean uh, you're you're afraid of sharks. Mm. That's actually a that's a real thing. I actually actually saw some stuff. Uh, they've actually labeled it um, the Jaws effect. Really? Like I uh, watched a video. It said that the that humans fearing sharks is has got to be more of a learned hmm. a learned fear because I mean we're in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to. And there's this idea that every shark is like this man eater. Mm-hmm. Like you get into the water and if there's a shark, it's gonna going to attack you and it's because of movies like jaws yeah so they've actually they actually have labeled it the jaws effect like movies like that yeah have influenced our just kind of collective psyche yeah to be afraid of sharks did you see that last month um two killer whales went on a killing spree Mm -hmm. they're just (laughs) they're just massacring sharks Mm -hmm. killer whales figured out that they can flip a shark over if you flip a shark upside down, it completely goes like unconscious. Huh. So what happens is one killer whale will come from the bottom and hit it like full speed. It'll tip a great white. And yeah. then the other one, as it's tipping, will grab its fin and pull it over. Hmm. And now it's helpless. And then instead of eating the whole thing, they're eating their liver. And yeah. that's it. Huh. Like complete serial killer orca whales. Isn't that so weird? That is weird. I think that I think orcas are way scarier than, than sharks. <clears throat> But they just don't attack people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yet. Yet. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe these two ro- <laughs> these two rogue ones that are out for out for livers. 
It's like dolphins. Dolphins are much more sinister than. Oh, yeah. They're bad. <laughs> dolphins are bad animals. Yeah. They're not what you learned about when you mm-hmm. were a kid. Yeah. There's another fear. I wonder what you have that's fear called. of dolphins, George? Fear of dolphins. No, I'm, dolphins? Sure, I'm sure there's people there that are afraid of dolphins. I wonder what that's called. I wonder if there's actually a, a name for it. I'm gonna there look probably it up. is. I'm going to look it up. But anyway, the, but, you but, know, people have, people have uh, everyone experiences fear. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I've got a fear of uh, snakes. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever held a snake? It, yeah. But like that, that actually, um, like when... <laughs> confession that my that my family will hear like they want to go out to the wildlife refuge and i often i'm reluctant because i'm afraid of running into a snake yeah um in close spaces like well, if, you, if people like are standing close to me it makes me really uncomfortable mm. um, you need to get you some of those snake uh, snake proof pants and boots yeah larry had them larry larry hike he used to hike and stuff he's he knows he can hook you up yeah but you did you use this to introduce the really the oh, big here, fear here it is has. uh del delphini delphiniphobia delphiniphobia yeah it's a fear of dolphins how about the how about the fear yeah. of folding clothes may have that one uh, maybe I, you know i found <laughs> <laughs> there's a fear of everything you know what i'm saying there, everything yeah there really is i mean i found um brumo tech Teleophobia, fear of different foods touching each other. Oh, my. I have seen people divide their food up on the plate, scoot them apart. I don't think that you could have that if you're in the military. It's, no. just, it's just all lumped together. They're going to get you over a lot of fears there. Yeah. Um, but it was a good intro because you brought out one of the main fears that almost everyone has. From yeah, time, everyone has it. From time to time, it can be stronger. Mm-hmm. Sometimes maybe you don't pay attention to it at all. You're right. doing well. But it's the fear of the future. Right. What's going to happen in the future? Mm-hmm. What does the future hold? Um, and so your sermon was three points, and I'll have you read the passage here in just a sec. Hebrews 11, uh, beginning in verse 17. It was uh, three reasons that we don't have to fear the future, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because I, I think that's that's that really is is a driving fear for for these recipients of this letter. I mean, there you go back to chapter ten, and, and he talks about how they've been publicly ridiculed, and some have been thrown into prison, and they've uh, some of them have had their property confiscated and plundered, and and really, I mean, what's the driving fear behind that? It's what's going to happen. What's going to happen to me? Like, what if they decide they're going to start killing Christians? Uh, what if I get thrown in the prison? What what's going to happen to my family? And you know, it, I mean, that's we we haven't uh, we haven't experienced the level of of hostility for our faith, but we all can understand that that kind of base fear of what's going to happen to me and my family in the future. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's that's kind of the driving fear behind that. And we if we let that fear take over, we're not we're not going to be faithful Christians. Mm. So the faithful Christian is the one who um is a realist. But we don't have to ignore the fact that that there are scary things in the future, but the the uh, the person who walks by faith recognizes that um we have reasons to be confident. Yeah. in, in the future. Mhm. Yeah. Um a lot of uncertainty in the world right now. Yeah. You know, I I could see even people that were listening being having a little fear of what's happening. You know, you've got this uh, administration's foreign policies are absolute disaster. 
and uh, you know our adversaries have positioned themselves in a way to like undermine the dollar you know some people are saying this is the end of the dollar and stuff Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's that bad but yeah i thought i saw something uh the other day uh someone posted two two uh tweets next to each other and one was like a news story about how india is going back to the the rupee yeah um and the uh the next tweet was biden uh talking about uh trans yeah. visibility day right yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't i, I you know we you have to you have to uh be careful with anything you see online mm-hmm. but well you have brazil russia india china mm. they formed uh they, you know they they made a pact together mm. to not trade in the dollar i guess mm. so yeah there i mean that's there's a lot of things going on yeah um you know i just i spoke this past weekend over our secure messaging app to a brother who's in one of our adversaries countries mm-hmm. very discouraged and you know doesn't know what the future holds mm. he doesn't know what's going to happen right. things are getting really bad there and but he's still persevering by faith yeah you know what i mean he's yeah. it's ex- inspiring inspiring to me yeah because our our certainty of the uncertainty isn't even close to like their uncertainty you know what i mean right so christians have are doing this now mm. and it's a good lesson for us good good timely message yeah. providentially arranged mm-hmm. so let's let's have you read the passage and we'll jump in okay all right hebrews chapter 11 verses 17 through 22 by faith abraham when he was tested offered up isaac and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said through isaac shall your offspring be named He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. All right. Um, Number one. I, I we, will say, when I first came to this passage, I was like, "What am I? What am I doing?" Here? Uh, then it all comes together <laughs> because uh-huh. um, you know this this eight through twenty two is is one section mm-hmm. all about Abraham, but I knew um, that eight through sixteen was going to be more <laughs> more than enough for me to tackle in one sermon, so I, I had to split it into. Um, but when I looked at seventeen through twenty two, I was like, mm. "What? What theme? What theme?" seems to be holding these together yeah and um at first i was i was leaning towards their faith is the same faith as ours like they're hoping in the same things as Mm -hmm. ours but as i was looking at it more and um saw that all of these all of these uh examples are men at the end of their lives and what are they doing at the end of their lives like what why is he there i mean take joseph for instance he could have mentioned a ton of things right. out of Joseph's life, and he mentions this. Mm. Why? Well, Joseph's yeah. looking, looking into. He's looking towards the future, even though he's not going to see it. He's looking into the future, mm-hmm. and there's a reason why he's 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 confident in the future, and he's trying to give confidence to the Israelites. Um, so that so it it kind of morphed from. Look, uh, the saints in the Old Testament they had the same faith that that we do. 
like there's a connection here mm-hmm. to look their their faith is actually a one that is confident in the future so you can have confidence in the future also right so reasons not to fear the future number one god will raise the dead and you spent the majority of your sermon in this point and that's okay because i think sometimes preachers think i've got to give equal mm-hmm. time to each point which just it's not the case. Well, I think so. I, I think, think this one I, had the majority, which yeah, is and good. I, and I think that uh, the majority of the time, the the point that gets the majority of the time is the point that has the most mm-hmm. verses. I mean, yeah. it's it's what what did the author of Hebrews spend the most time on? Well, he he just hit Isaac, Jacob, Joseph real fast, but he spent lot, he spent a lot of time more, there. He he spent three verses on Abraham and Isaac, and then three verses. As a as a whole, over the next three guys, so, right? So um, I'm not going to spend as I mean, certainly could have spent the entirety of the time on one one verse about Joseph, but it's Abraham gets the he gets the lion's share. Yeah, God will raise the dead. And so it's interesting to go and look at this passage. I mean, this the uh, the binding mm-hmm. of Isaac. Yeah. is uh, something that has caused a lot of people to stumble, actually, mm-hmm. and to doubt God's goodness, and maybe this leads them, leads them down this trail where they eventually would even leave the faith entirely. Because mm-hmm. they say this is such a... I've heard people say this is a weird story. Yeah. Like God, God forbids child sacrifice, mm-hmm. but then he says, sacrifice your son. Yeah. Um, so how do we frame it in a way that we can comprehend and see this as not outside of God's character? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I think the I think the big thing is to read the whole Abraham story mm-hmm. and not just this one this one event. Yeah, there's more going on here than just God seeing if Abraham is uh, going to kill somebody for him. Right, <laughs> like that's the way it's often framed. Right, mm-hmm. yep. like Abraham is this religious zealot. He's a fanatic, and look, we've got fanatics today that. That they they uh, hear voices and they go and kill a bunch of people, mm-hmm. and that that's kind of how it's framed by by atheists. Yes, um, but that's not what's going on because Abraham, one Abraham, I don't I, I don't think Abraham's just hearing voices. I think someone's actually appearing to him and talking to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, there's more going on. This this event doesn't happen in a vacuum. A lot has happened in Abraham's life before we ever get to Genesis 22. Mm-hmm. And all of this is informing Abraham's response to God in this chapter. Right. Um, he's he's not just saying, "Okay, if God wants me to kill somebody, I'll go kill him." Um, he's he's resting on the promises and the oath of God. I think that is important that people understand. They remember that or mm-hmm. understand that yeah. is that God Himself, we believe, as Christ mm-hmm. walked through. And the animals that were laid apart. Yeah, Genesis said, 15. If I break the covenant, then let me be like this. Let right. me die, which yeah. God can't die. So all of this is informing right. this decision. Yeah, God's God, character, who he is, what he's promised. Yeah. So uh, the way that people often think, and this this really, it, it heavily um, influences our idea of what faith is. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have this idea, it's this Jesus take the will like this, it's irrational for me to take my hands off the steering wheel and just believe that God is going to, um, you know, mm-hmm. get me safely home. 
um, this leap of faith is often that that's often what people think of when they think of faith. And that's not what's going on here. Abraham is not taking a leap of faith. He is basing his response to God and God's commands based on God's promises, what mm-hmm. God has already said he's going to do. So starting back in Genesis chapter 12, God has already told Abraham, I'm going to make a nation of you and all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is repeated in chapter 13. It's repeated in chapter 15 with God actually cutting a covenant with Abraham Um cut the pieces, God walks through, and he swears, you're going to have this land. Um, Chapter 17, he promises again. Uh, In chapter 21, um, after Isaac is born, God explicitly says, it's through Isaac that your offspring are going to be named. All the promises are coming through Isaac, because we've got got the story of Ishmael. Mm -hmm. Abraham has another son, Ishmael. And um, in chapter 17, he, he actually asked God to, to bless Ishmael, and, and God says, no, I'm going mm-hmm. to bless you through the son I'm going to give you. Mm-hmm. Um, 21, um, Isaac's born, Ishmael and Hagar are, um, they're, mocking, they're mocking Isaac. Um, Paul, Paul actually uses the word persecute. So Ishmael's persecuting Isaac, and mm-hmm. so Sarah wants to send Ishmael away. And I, uh, Abraham is distressed over it because Ishmael is his son. And God tells him, do what Sarah says, because it's through Isaac that that the blessings are going to come. So all of this is in the background. Mm-hmm. So when we get to 22, we can't just take it as this isolated story that happens in this, this vacuum. All of these promises, um, including the covenant, the oath, is in the background. So when God tells Abraham, go and sacrifice your only son, he uses that language, uh, only. Your your only begotten is how the Greek uh, Septuagint translates it. Um, not that Abraham doesn't have another son. He has, Isaac, uh, he has Ishmael, but he's, Isaac is unique and irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. There's no one like him. Um, if all the promises of God... Um, including blessings to the nations, rest on Isaac. Mm-hmm. If Isaac dies, all the promises die with him. It's it's a big deal. Right. Um, but also, God has sworn that he's going to bless Abraham's offspring through Isaac. And so if if God becomes a liar or if God's unable to um, keep his his promise, if he... Um, if he, uh, you know, does a Darth Vader, the, mm-hmm. you know, um, I've changed, I've changed the, the terms, you know, uh, pray I don't change them any further. <laughs> like if any of that stuff happens, then the entire, the entire fabric of reality is going to be torn apart because God will cease to be God. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot, there's a lot riding on, on Mount Moriah more than we often take into yeah. account. It's, um, it, it, it is the fate of the world is hanging in the balance in Genesis 22. Mm-hmm. And so Abraham obeys with all of that background informing him. So he's not just taking a leap of faith. 
he's believing God's promises and he believes that God is going to fulfill all of his word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it says that, um, that he considered, verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Yeah. So he knew that if he kills Isaac, if he does what God, God tells him to, that God is able to raise him from the dead if that's what it takes for God to fulfill his promises. Yeah. So he's not this sadistic, um, you know, religious nut. He believes that God will keep his promises. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what faith is. Faith is um, acting in accordance with um, what God has said. It's almost believe, as if... Believing uh, him and obeying him. It's almost as if, you know, part of the test is, do you love your son more than you love me? But mm. in, a, in a, I think in a, there's a bigger part of it that's more about, do you believe that I say I will, that I will do what I said I promised to do? Mm-hmm. That through this son, these blessings come. It's, it so is. That's the test. It's, it's Genesis 3 all over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really is this, uh, this, it, there, there's parallels between what, what the devil is is um, asking Eve, and what's going on with with Abraham? Mm-hmm. Like, did God really say that through Isaac all these blessings were going to come? Well, why would he? You know, why would he ask you to do this? Is he is he trying to keep something from you? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's like held out this promise, and now he's going to take it. He's going to snatch it back. Are you going to are Are you really going to believe that God is good? Mm-hmm. Are you going to believe His word? Um, it's it he Abraham would have been confronted with these the same temptation that that Eve was confronted with in Genesis three. Yeah. Do you want do you want the promise or do you want God? Do you want the do you want this fruit that's able to make you wise like God or do you actually want to do you want to believe and hold on to God Himself? Mm-hmm. Do you want Isaac or the the promised one, or do you want the one who's made the promises? Mm-hmm. That that's the that that's the contest that's going on. Yeah, and you know the author of Hebrews isn't pulling it out of nowhere, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit's inspiring it, but inspiring based on true events. Because Abraham, when they get to the place, and he tells the servants, "Wait here, uh, the boy and I will go sacrifice, and then we will return." Right. Yeah. Like we're both coming back. Yeah. Isaac's coming back with me. Yeah. He may not know how. Yeah. But um the author of Hebrews says he he believed, he considered. Um it's it's the word that we we could translate as logic. He reasons um that God <clears throat> is able to raise him from the dead if that's what it takes. But he believes God so so completely that he knows that even if he does have to kill Isaac, that God is going to raise him from the dead, and they're both going to come back. Because right. if not, the promises are not true. Right. Um, and and God has made the promise, and he's made the oath. That's the background of Hebrews 6. So he has two two unshakable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Abraham has this steadfast hope. Right. Yeah, you know, this is this is the same type of faith that all Christians really have. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're not living we're not living as though this is the only life we have. God's made promises, mm-hmm. and we live for another reality, another world. We live for the new world, yeah. for the resurrection of the dead, where we will be justly rewarded for our works. Um, you know, we went to a small church. Uh, didn't know it was small. Just got on the nine marks. 
page uh-huh. in Garden City. We were up there for Drake's. Uh, Drake had a deal for the incoming guys to meet each other and stuff up there. And went to the church. It was 20 to 25 people there. Mm-hmm. Most of them over 65, I would say. They were really nice, like super friendly, super friendly congregation. But, you know, the guy, the preacher, his wife's the playing the piano, electric piano, whatever. You know, the uh, she's up there with him, and he's playing the guitar in leading worship and singing. Mm-hmm. Takes the guitar off, and now he's the preacher. Yep. And I'm thinking, if the... If there isn't a resurrection from the dead, this guy's just like wasting his life. Yeah, like for real. Mm-hmm. You're in you're in the middle of the country in like the most desolate. There's nothing around for hundreds of miles. You're in the middle of nowhere, and uh, the only thing they have good here is Mexican food, and <laughs> you are wasting your life. Mm. But because the resurrection is true, his rewards will be great. Right in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so he's li- he's living for another world. Mm. Yeah, only the only Christians can live that way. Yeah, yeah, and and it's um, so the so Abraham believes that God is is able to raise Isaac from the dead. The author uh, says that symbolically, figuratively, he did receive him back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's the phrase in parable. Mm-hmm. So in a parable like since he received him back from the dead. Um, but the the story is, it's pointing forward to a, a greater reality. The, mm-hmm. the story of Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah is not just about Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah. Right. Um, Mount Moriah is actually the place where they built the, uh, the temple. Yeah. Um, so in this place where uh, Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac and a ram was a substitute for Isaac, the temple is built, Solomon's temple is built, and they make animal sacrifices. Mm-hmm. But those animal sacrifices, as we've been reading through the book of Hebrews, were never meant to be an end in themselves. Mm-hmm. They were meant to point forward to another son who would walk up another hill carrying wood on his back, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't be spared Mm-hmm. because he was the substitute. There was no substitute for him because he was the substitute. Yeah. Um, and so the story of, of Abraham and Isaac really is the story of, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, you go back to the way that Abraham, uh, Isaac is described in Genesis 22. And uh, in the Greek, it's he is his only begotten son whom he loves. That's a, that's a direct tie to John 3.16. Right. <laughs> right? Um, here is the, here's the only begotten one who goes up on... Mount Calvary, and he dies. He dies as the substitute for God's people. Um, because God has sworn an oath to his people, he's sworn that he is going to fulfill all of these promises. And the only way that the promises can be fulfilled is if sin is taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the son is, the, all the promises are to the son. It's yeah. to the offspring. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the offspring of Abraham. Um, Paul in Galatians chapter 3.16 says that, God made promises to Abraham's offspring, yeah, not offsprings. <clears throat> offspring, singular, meaning Christ. Mm-hmm. And if all, you go back and look, it's it literally how it is. Yeah, yeah. All, the, all the all the promises that God gave to Abraham are they come true in Jesus. But here's Jesus dying on the cross. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to all the promises? Are all the promises just going to fail? Has has God 
not being able to to bring them to fruition well god is able to raise the offspring of abraham back from the dead right um, and that's that's exactly what happened. Jesus didn't say dead; he he rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and all and so all the promises of God they find their fulfillment in Jesus, who died and has been raised from the dead. And now all those who are trusting in Jesus they will also be raised from the dead. And so we can live with we can live with hope and confidence yeah. in the future because right. God God has and He will raise the dead. Yeah, awesome. All right. I just have tiny little notes because, as I said, I was gone. And I listened as I was driving in today. God intends to bless his people. So reasons to not fear the future, God will raise the dead. Two, God intends to bless his people. All right. Fast forward now in the Genesis story. Quite a bit. Yeah. Descend, uh, the descend, descendants mm-hmm. come up. <clears throat> Abraham's descendants. All right. So how are we to take from this that God intends to bless his people. Well, we got uh, these and us because yeah, we're right, his people. Right. We've we've got these uh just like we saw with Abel and Enoch, the, mm-hmm. the pairing. I think we've got another pairing with Isaac and, and Jacob. And the reason that I, I say that is because there's a lot of points of contact between these two stories. So um he skips over a lot. Um Isaac, he 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 comes to Isaac invoking future blessings on Jacob and Esau, and then Jacob, when dying, blessed um, blessed the sons of Joseph, mm-hmm. Ephraim and Manasseh. Um, so he skips over a lot of story. So there must be a reason why he's he's focusing on these events right here. Uh, the points of contact are that both men are at the end of their lives. Isaac know, knows he's getting ready to die, so he wants to bless Esau. Uh, Jacob knows that he's about to die, so he wants to bless Ephraim and Manasseh. They're both blind. Um, both of them um, intend to bless their their sons, and both of them end up blessing the younger son over the older son. Mm. So, four points of contact uh, that that make me believe that twenty and twenty one are supposed to be taken together. They're they're mm-hmm. paired together. Um, now now Isaac he blesses Jacob over Esau because Jacob deceives him. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jacob intentionally blesses Ephraim, the younger son, over Manasseh, he actually like crosses his hands huh. um, to bless them. Uh, Joseph even tries to correct him, and he he's like, "I know, I know." <laughs> so, so, um, but uh, what 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 are they doing here? Well, I, I think the first thing, just kind of a, it's kind of a um, kind of a side note is that we see that the promises were important enough that Abraham passed them down. Like Abraham passed the promises down to Isaac. Isaac passed them to Jacob and Esau. Jacob passed them down to his children. Um, so they're, they are believing that these are true. And they're, they're important enough that they're going to pass them down to the next generation. Um, even the story of, of uh, you know, Abraham and, and Isaac would have been passed down. Um, you know, Abraham, uh, lived until Jacob and Esau were about 15 years old. I think we often forget that because of the way that the story unfolds is we think, well, Abraham died and then, then Jacob and Esau were born, but they actually were teenagers when, when Abraham died and they would have been living together. They would have been all together. So they would have known their, uh, their grandpa. 
So you can just imagine the stories that are are being told. You know, as they're sitting around, Jacob's like, hey, let me tell you about this one time with yeah. Or Isaac, let me tell you about this time with your grandpa. <laughs> you wouldn't believe what he was about to do to me. <laughs> um, but the but but really, the second thing is that um, these these verses remind us that they knew that God's purposes were to bless His people, so they would pass these blessings down. Mm-hmm. They're. They're not just looking, again, we, we think of verses 13 through 16, they're not just looking for this Mediterranean real estate. They're not just looking for this strip of land. They're looking for this heavenly country. And so even when they're at the end of their lives and they know they're not going to, they're not going to see the promises in this life, they still believe that they're going to see them. And so they're able to confidently at the end of their lives when their eyes are, are blinded, like they can't even see they can't even see this this world anymore. They believe that when they die, they're going to open their eyes and they're going to see the promises that God is going to be faithful. And so they keep passing the promises down. They keep they keep reminding um their descendants that these blessings are going to come true. And they're not just they're not just for others. They're mm-hmm. for they're for them. Like Isaac and Jacob, they're not just passing them down as if, well, it didn't happen for me, but maybe it will happen for you. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe that these promises are for all of the offspring of Abraham. Those who those who are God's people, all of them will experience the blessings, mm-hmm. including dying Isaac, dying Jacob, mm. um, dying Joseph. We'll see in just a second. Um, and these these promises, they've been passed down from generation to generation, and they've come down to us. Yeah. And so everyone, um, the same promises that were true for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, are the same promises that have been true for, what, 4,000 years? Mm. And they're going to be true until Jesus comes back. And so everyone that has the faith of Abraham, these these promises, these blessings are for us and the risen christ is proof that god is going to bless his people so i could see some maybe like classical old school dispensationalists at this point which there are many still around mm-hmm. would say george what are you talking about you're a gentile well i am you're partially not a gentile you're like a you're like a uh you're even worse because you're a half-breed <laughs> right <clears throat> but they would I'm say at best a samaritan yeah you're samaritan <laughs> How can you take these promises for yourself? That's what that that's what the old school would say. These have to do with these mm-hmm. these uh this ethnic ethnic people. Mm-hmm. Um I I think that the New Testament is super clear about it. Yeah. Um but it also I mean it goes back to Genesis 12:3. Like in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Right. Like the blessings of Abraham were never just for a a a, a biological people. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, Paul Paul is explicit about that in uh, in Galatians. Galatians three sixteen. Uh, you brought it out. Galatians three sixteen. But if you go if you go up to uh, to Galatians three uh, seven through nine, Paul says, "Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham." Yeah. Um, and then he says something that's really interesting. 
and he goes back to Genesis 12, 3. Uh-huh. Um, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I don't know how you can divide the 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 Jewish people and the Gentiles as if there's two two sets of promises. Mm-hmm. Um, because you've got the book of Galatians, <laughs> even if you have nothing else. If you have the book of Galatians, you can't get there. Because he's he has said that it is Christ who is the offspring of Abraham. So Paul explicitly says that these promises that you read about in Genesis, um, they're, they're about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so all the promises come through Jesus. Right. So those who are of faith, who have the faith of Abraham and are united with Christ, they're the true offspring of Abraham also. Right. Um, and so all the blessings flow through Christ to all his people, whether Jews or Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's other places. Yeah, Romans, Romans, 10, Romans well, 10 Romans, and 11. Well, Romans chapter 2. I mean, Romans chapter 2 is um, uh, kind of a... Uh, you have to do gymnastics, I think. I think you have to do gymnastics to get around what, what Paul's saying here. He says, so. he says that no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So, so Paul makes a distinction between those who claim to be Jews and those who are actually Jews. He does the same thing in Romans chapter 9, right? Yep. Um, quoting, quoting the same thing that, um, that the author of Hebrews quotes. Um, not, not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they're his offspring. But here's, here's the passage that Hebrews 11 quotes, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. So he makes a distinction between um, the physical offspring of Abraham and the spiritual offspring of Abraham. Mm-hmm. So yes, we, we, we certainly can say, um, you know, as Gentiles, we're not we're not the biological descendants of Abraham, but the promises were never to just the biological children of Abraham. They were always to the spiritual offspring of Abraham. They always were. They were always to the the children of promise. Right. Um, and Christ is that fulfillment. And so, <clears throat> those who are believing in Christ, both Jews and Gentiles, they are the true people of God. They are the true offspring of Abraham. <clears throat> That's right. Paul couldn't be more explicit. I mean, Jesus is pretty explicit too. He yeah. tells the the Jewish leaders, "You're not Abraham's offspring." Right. Right. You're ch- you're, you, you have another father. <laughs> right. So it's only those who have the faith of Abraham right. are Abraham's offspring. You know, some of the uh, some of the really radical dispensationalists, like like John Hagee, um, who would who would go so far as to say that the gospel was never offered to uh, to to the Jews. Um, so, so they're, they're not, they can't be blamed for rejecting something that was never offered to them. Um, which is what he actually says. Yeah. Um, that's not a caricature. I I mean, you can, you can look up, um, his promotion of the book. Oh man. Jerusalem countdown maybe. And he actually says it like explicitly. 
Um, but they would, they, they would, and a lot of, a lot of evangelicals, they, they feel the same way. Like the Jews are the, the, uh, the people of God. Um, unbelieving Jews are the people of God. We got to support Israel no matter what, because they're the people of God and God will bless those who bless Israel and curse those who curse Israel. That's not, that, that wasn't Jesus's position. Mm. The unbelieving Jews were children of the devil. That's what he told them. <laughs> he told them to their face. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of evangelicals are like, nah, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're right. still, they're still the blessed, they're still blessed people. And that, you know, if we, if we support them, no matter what, mm-hmm. even though right now they're debating a law that would outlaw uh, evangel- and evangelizing. <clears throat> well, you know, they will, I mean, this gets into some of other eschatology and stuff, but they were cut off and we were gra- engrafted in. Yeah, and Romans Paul 11. T- Paul tells you, mm-hmm. don't become arrogant. Mm-hmm. You're, a wall- you're a wild olive shoot. Yeah. God can graft them back in again. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I believe that he will, <laughs> um, and it'll be by faith. Mm-hmm. It won't be. It'll be by faith in Jesus, right? Yes, faith in (laughs) faith in Jesus Christ, and I believe God will providentially do that. And you know, many of the great evangelists and and uh, a lot many of the Puritans were committed to evangelizing the Jews and would send. That was their purpose. They weren't anti Semites, right? That's a caricature of post Reformation theology. That Mm -hmm. Protestants are anti Semites, replacement theology. Mm -hmm. If so, why so many Puritans were uh, committed to sending? missionaries to evangelize jewish people yeah because mm. they wanted to see them engrafted back in again yeah, because, because then be- comes the resurrection of the dead and because of what paul said like there to to them belong the adoption the glory the covenants the giving of the law the worship and the promises to right. them belong the patriarchs and from their race according to the flesh is the christ yeah um so by by rejecting Christ, they're cutting themselves off from all of the blessings and all the promises of Abraham. And Paul is willing to be cut off himself so that yeah. they would they would be grafted back in so that they would receive the promises. Blessings. Because the promises will not come to unbelieving Jews. I know that's a shock to anyone that's like, well, we got to get the people of Israel back to the to the land of Israel and you know because God promised them this land. That is a promise that comes true in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the promise was not just for a strip of land, it was for the whole earth. For the whole world. Yeah. And Paul says that explicitly in Romans chapter 4. The promise was that Abraham would inherit the world. Isn't that a lot better than just some coastal real estate mm-hmm. <laughs> over there in the Mediterranean? Which right. people forget. They say, oh, you don't care about land. That includes that land. Right. Yeah. It includes I that think, land. I think. Plus more. I think that, it, we'll, we'll see this in just a second. You know, Joseph wants to be buried in the land. Uh-huh. Jacob wants to be buried in the land. I think it's because they believe in the resurrection. Yeah. And when they wake up, when they're resurrected, they want to see the land. <laughs> 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 That's going to be the first thing that they see yeah, in, re- yeah. on, in the resurrection is they're going to see, right. they're going to see the land, the land of Canaan. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I don't know why anyone who doesn't, and it doesn't matter what your eschatology is, I don't know why you would have a problem with the promised land, as we know it, being the epicenter, the capital of the new creation. Why Why would that? That's There's no problem. Yeah. Like, that's it. The nations will bring, bring tribute to that place, to Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. 
But, God, but God's intentions are to bless his people. Yeah. Jews and Gentiles. Like there's not, there's not going to be two different tiers of, of well, people. Well, you come back to Paul. Paul's writing in the book of Romans. He's very explicit in the first three chapters. He's got a purpose, and it's to consign everybody to disobedience. Mm-hmm. So he can then say that have mercy on all. That God may have mercy on all, mm-hmm. Jew and Gentile, right. in Jesus Christ. Yep. That's how it breaks down. He breaks it down. He's like, oh, look at the Gentiles. Look how awful they are. They gave up, the, you know, they, they exchanged the glory of God for a lie, worshiped the creature, and the Jews over there are like, yeah, yeah, look at them, look how bad they are. And look, th- look at them, God gave them over to homosexuality, and the Jews are like, yeah, look how terrible the Gentiles are. And then he goes, oh, hold up, Jews, you've broken the law, and you're just as bad as the Gentiles. Yeah. And now you both groups are guilty before God so that he can have mercy on all the same way through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. There's your first three chapters. Yeah. Now that you're all guilty, let me explain to you how you can be justified by faith like Abraham was. Paul, the guy's, he's brilliant. <laughs> he's brilliant. All right, well, let's move on to number three, George. So reasons to not fear the future. Number one, God will raise the dead. Number two, God intends to bless his people. Number three, God will bring his church to the promised land. All right, explain it. Without people accusing you of being a um, an anti semite and a replacement theologian, because that's I know that's the accusation that's coming. Yeah, I I you know I'll embrace the uh, the replacement theology label. I believe that unbelieving Jews were cut off and believing Gentiles were grafted in. So. Believing Gentiles replace unbelieving Jews. What's but the promise is that the unbelieving Jews can be grafted back in by faith in Christ. Yeah. It's not hopeless for them. Um, but there's only one people of God. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always been true Israel. Right. And there's always been a division between the unbelieving Jews and the believing remnant. That's the important thing for people to remember. Because mm-hmm. when Paul talks about this... He makes it explicitly clear. Um, who's the prophet who thinks he's like the last guy left on earth worshiping Yahweh? Yeah, um, Elijah. Elijah. Mm-hmm. And he, God's like, no, I've maintained for myself a remnant. A remnant, yeah. A small remnant of actual real Jews, God-fearing Jews who have mm-hmm. been faithful to the covenant. But God maintained that for himself. Right. And they're the minority. Mm-hmm. So in that nation... He felt like that for a reason, because it seemed like there was anybody around who actually was faithful, uh, but God was maintaining a small remnant. Mm-hmm. But it's clear to God, in God's mind, there's a remnant yeah. of believers, and then there's this entire nation of apostates. Yeah. And the promises are only for the remnant. Mm-hmm. Um, Ahab doesn't inherit the promises. Elijah does. Yeah. Right. Um Read, read the Psalms, and, and the, uh, a lot of these imprecatory Psalms, they're David writing about the Jews <laughs> who, are, who are rejecting mm. him, right? Who are, mm-hmm. who are opposing the Lord's anointed, the Lord's Messiah, the King. Mm-hmm. Um, Psalm 37 is a great example of this. Like, don't, don't fret when you see the wicked. They'll be cut off, but... The righteous will inherit the land. <laughs> they they will experience the blessings. The the wicked won't. And um, David wasn't stupid. He knew that 
people die. Like, how are the, he says things like the righteous will inherit the land forever. Are they not going to die? Right. David believes in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. He believes that, that the wicked will die and be cut off from the promises while the righteous will inherit the promises forever. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's, he is in Psalm 37. Go, go look at Psalm 37 if you, you don't believe what I'm saying. He's, he is expressing the same hope that we see here in, in Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. Mm-hmm. The hope of resurrection and a heavenly land, a heavenly country. This is, and that's Joseph. That's yeah, Joseph. Joseph believes in the same thing. This is such a like as we said before the podcast started. I think he pulls this out of his this life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's how many <laughs> out th- of Joseph's how life? many things that could he have said about Joseph? <laughs> yeah, Joseph's faith that is prominent throughout the entire story of Joseph that begins in Genesis 37. Mm-hmm. We're we're talking about, um, you know, what 13, 14 chapters. Mm-hmm. And he pulls this out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I'm dead, take my bones, <laughs> take them out of here. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's it's. Uh, but again, you've got you've got one of the patriarchs at the end of his life. Yeah. And he is expressing hope in the future. Joseph, don't, uh, if Joseph didn't believe that the promises were for him. Then why yeah. does he care where he's buried? It's, why, why does he care? Why does he care if his bones are left in Egypt or if they're carried back you to may the miss land it. of Canaan? Yeah, you may miss that this type of faith if you if you just forget in time wise. Like they're they've come now into Egypt and they're going to be there a long time. Yeah, Genesis Genesis ends with a cliffhanger. Yeah, like the people of God are seventy, which is impressive since they came from old man Abraham and, and Baron Sarah. Yeah. Right. So like they come from uh, an old Baron couple and now there's 70 of them, but that's still a far cry from the stars of the heavens. Uh-huh. Right. Um, and they're not even in the promised land anymore. They end the book outside the promised land. Mm-hmm. And it actually looks like things are going pretty, pretty well for them. Joseph is the prime minister of Egypt and they've got this good land of Goshen and, and uh, they've got, they're being taken care of. Um, maybe they'll just stay there, mm. but that's not what God promised. So what, what's going to happen? Is God going to be able to fulfill his promises? Um, you know, if you're, if you're hearing this story as an Israelite, you know that they were slaves, they were captives. Like how is God going to do all of this right right um and yet joseph expresses this faith um even as he's getting ready to die yeah um so this is from genesis 50 he he says at the end of his life he calls the the sons of of israel together and he says that i'm about to die uh but god is going to visit you and he will certainly bring you up out of this land and into the land that he's promised to to abraham isaac and jacob and when when that happens, take my bones with you mm-hmm. and bury me there. Um, but it's interesting the the uh, that verse by faith Joseph at the end of his life made mention of the Exodus. Um, it's the word remember, right? It's I looked at all these different translations and made mention of is like the the majority translation, um, but it's the word remember. He remembered the Exodus. Uh, God promised this all the way back in Genesis 15. He told Abraham, your descendants are going to be slaves in a in another land, 
uh, for 400 years, and then I'm going to bring them out. Yeah. Well, Joseph, at the end of his life, he knows what's seeing coming. all of them there, he knows what land, <laughs> what right. land they're going to be in, right? Yeah. Um, but he also believes that God is going to keep his promise. Right. That the same promise he made to Abraham, that God would bring them out, he remembers. Mm-hmm. And so he speaks a word of remembrance to them. God is going to do this. He's going to rescue out of this land, and he's going to bring you into the promised land. And when you go, take me with you. Mm-hmm. And that's what Moses does in, in Exodus 13. They take his bones. Uh, at the end of Joshua, they bury him in the same the same uh, cave that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are are buried in. But again, why? What's what's the point? Just some, I mean, if if Joseph if Joseph believed that he's not going to experience the promises, mm-hmm. um, if he doesn't believe in a resurrection, so many scholars they argue over how much the 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 Old Testament saints believed in the in the resurrection. Right. It's like if you pay attention to the things that they're doing, they are obviously not not expecting the promises to be fulfilled in this life. Yeah. They're not putting their hope in just this world. They're looking forward to resurrection. There's there's no other explanation for why Jacob, Jacob wanted to be buried in in the land of Canaan also. Why Jacob or Joseph said I'm going to die 400 years from now. <laughs> Make sure you take my bones with you. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. for what purpose? Yeah, it's because he believes that the promises are for him too. Uh-huh. He's going to experience all the promises. All the promises that God gave to Abraham are going to come true for every single one of God's people. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be a single person left out. Whether you die and don't see it, or you are actually alive when Christ returns, um, every single one of us. We'll go, we'll, we will come to the promised land mm-hmm. um, because God is faithful. He will bring his people to the promised land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, unbelief is a strange thing. You know, we uh, as you preach the gospel to people, these are the things you are offering to the non-believer in 2023. Mm-hmm. You're offering them the same things. Yeah. You're, you're offering them the hope of eternal life, that God will raise them from the dead. You're offering them future blessings that God has purposed and intends to bless his people with unimaginable blessings that we can't even possibly comprehend mm-hmm. that transcend this reality. And you're offering all this to people, and, and you're, promise, you're promising them a new creation, yeah. the promised land amplified to encompass all of reality. And you oh. hold all this out to a non-believer, yeah. and they say, Nah. <laughs> best I can do is uh, best I can do is a maybe, yeah. Or nah, you know like, what? It's, it's it. like it's like the it's like the kid that you uh, that you were witnessing to. I just can't give up sleeping with my girlfriend. Right. That's and I didn't. I never brought that up ever. Yeah. Not one time did I ever bring up the type of sins or activities he was involved with. I was just giving the gospel to him. Mm-hmm. But he knew that the call to follow Christ is a call to die to yourself. Yeah. And he weighed it in the balances, sex over this. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we laugh because on this side of regeneration, we see, and we'll, we'll, we'll see this next week with Moses, we see that Christ is infinitely more, more valuable than, mm-hmm. than all of this other stuff. Yeah. But for the unbeliever, they, they still love sex, 
money, sports, video games, um, their job, vacation. I mean, all this stuff. They still they still see it as more valuable. Mm-hmm. They they still see these fleeting pleasures as as more more valuable than Christ. And how does how does a sinner change their mind about that? We talked about it on Friday, yeah, right? right. Mm-hmm. God has to change the sinner's heart mm-hmm. so that they see, I've been duped. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've been living as if this world is is the only thing that matters. Right. Um, they need to have their blind eyes open to see the beauty of Christ. But now we're we're starting to dip into next next mm-hmm. week <laughs> with Moses. But but this is uh, how people have midlife crisis. Even mm. people that say they're believers, yeah. they're Christians, they attend churches. Mm. You know, they have a midlife crisis because they're living as if this is it. Right. You know, our midlife crisis will be dying. You ever think about that? <laughs> like when you actually we actually die. Yeah. There's my midlife crisis because <laughs> I'm about to enter into the new life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, which isn't even really a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. You might have had a midlife crisis this morning. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> <laughs> but the Nutella, George. That's why this is emergency pack, rescue yeah. pack. <laughs> I'll have to dig into that in my office when no one's looking. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but we can have confidence in the future. Why, why, why should a Christian fear the future when the future is so bright for us? The future is so bright. That's why I wear shades all the time. Yeah. The future is so bright. So bright. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> my, my shades, they evangelize. Yeah. Huh? Why sure. are you always wearing shades, Jay? <laughs> Future so bright because I've seen the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. we can we can face we can face an uncertain future. Um, you know whatever whatever disease pops up next, or whatever the politicians do, or or whatever happens at our job, or if we get a bad you know bad prognosis yeah. at the doctor, or or whatever happens, we can face the future. Not you know not glibly. Um, you know, not, uh, not like there's nothing going on, mm-hmm. uh, but confidently like, like the author of Hebrews is trying to communicate to these saints. He's not saying, well, they, they may, you know, if you start living like this, then you won't get thrown in the prison right? <laughs> or your, your stuff won't get plundered or they won't, you know, mm-hmm. take you out in the street and beat you in front of everyone or, or kill you. Um, but you can face you can face those things confidently, hoping in God because you know that if they kill you, you're going to be raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, that they may take all your stuff and you may die homeless because you're a Christian. But the future is bright because God intends to bless you. Mm-hmm. All things are going to work for the good of God's people. Um, all things that happen in this world happen for the sake of Christ in the church. Yeah, that's an I, I love I love thinking about that. Everything that happens in human history is all for the sake of Christ in the church. Mm. That's what Romans eight twenty twenty eight is all about. <laughs> that all things work for the good yeah. of the people, um, and you may die penniless <laughs> without any stuff, but God is going to bring you into the promised land. Yeah. Um, We've we've got some great great hope uh, to carry us into an uncertain future. 
Yeah. And um, so we, we shouldn't live in fear. That's good. Awesome stuff. Two more? Two more to go? Two more. We'll talk about Moses on Sunday, and then we will finish up with um, some nameless saints. Some nameless. Some nameless saints. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, George. Appreciate it. Uh, Hopefully you've enjoyed this. If you have, you want a little bit extra, you can go back and listen to the sermon. Um, That's available on our church website, Christ Fellowship Church. If this podcast is beneficial to you, hopefully it is, please give us a like, subscribe, and share. Maybe even consider writing us a review. It's our uh, pleasure to do this. We do this just because we want to help people to treasure Jesus and to come to know him and then to be more and more conformed to his image. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on Friday as we talk about, Lord willing, uh, Perseverance of the Saints. See you then. Bye-bye.